48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories, Iran admits shooting down a Ukrainian airliner. China announces the first death linked to the Wuhan mystery virus. And the Liberal Party says it understands pan-democrat concerns in LegCo. Iran has announced that its military unintentionally shot down a Ukrainian jetliner, killing all 176 aboard after days of denying any involvement in Wednesday's tragedy. Alex Price has the story. In a statement issued on state television, Iran's military said the plane was mistaken for a hostile target after it turned towards a sensitive site belonging to the Revolutionary Guards. The statement said the military was on maximum alert amid heightened tensions with the United States. It apologised for the disaster and said it would upgrade its systems to prevent such mistakes in future. It also said those responsible would be prosecuted. The plane, a Boeing 737 operated by Ukrainian International Airlines, went down on the outskirts of Tehran during takeoff on Wednesday. The incident happened just hours after Iran launched a barrage of missiles at US forces in response to the killing of a top Iranian general, Qasim Soleimani, in a drone strike in Baghdad. Tehran had maintained it had not shot down the aircraft, but the US, Canada and Britain cited intelligence sources saying they believed Iran had shot it down. The plane, en route to the Ukrainian capital of Kiev, was carrying nine crew and 167 passengers from several countries, including 82 Iranians, 57 Canadians and 11 Ukrainians. It was Iran's worst civil aviation disaster since 1988, when the US military shot down an Iran airplane over the Gulf by mistake, killing all 290 people aboard. Health officials in Wuhan say one person has now died after being infected with the mystery viral outbreak in the city. However, the 61-year-old man who died on Thursday evening had previously been diagnosed with abdominal tumours and chronic liver disease. He died on Thursday evening after hospital treatment did not improve the, his symptoms. Here in Hong Kong, the Health Secretary Sophia Chan says the government will continue to communicate with mainland authorities to secure the genetic sequence of the virus, but she noted that mainland health officials are busy with various tasks to control the outbreak. Right now with our uh, laboratory competence, uh, actually we can also test, given the information of a novel coronavirus, uh, but it takes a, a slightly longer time. Uh, if we can get the uh, whole genome sequencing, obviously this time can be cut short. So it is not something that we can't do, but we are at the same time you know, trying to get information in terms of preparing and also controlling any public health infectious disease issues. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung said the government should promise not to bypass LegCo's House Committee to vet bills in future, after the administration said it wants to send a proposal to extend maternity leave to 14 weeks directly to the manpower panel. It says it cannot follow the usual procedure of setting up a committee to scrutinise the bill because filibustering from the pan-democrats has left the House Committee in limbo for months and without a chairman. Mr Chung says he understands the pan-democrats' concerns and the government should give some reassurance. Assurances. Right now we do not have the choice because we do not have the bills committee to discuss about that. So if the government can promise this is just a one-off way to, uh, to discuss a bill, I, I think it is quite easy to let the public understand that. And if the government can promise that this is just a one-off, I, I think uh, it's easier to get the consensus from the let's go. 
Pro-democracy legislators worry bypassing the House committee could be used to force through national security legislation in future. Democratic Party chairman Wu Chi-Wai denied that his camp is stalling an important livelihood measure. He says the government should be blamed for the situation in LegCo when it refuses to answer to the widely supported five demands of the protest movement. It is the government itself trying not to respond to the people's concerns and try to make use of those livelihood issues to kidnap the councils in order to switch the positions of the society and hope that the society will forget the wrongdoing of the government. So the government should make the first move in order to regain the popularities from the public. And then I believe that no matter which political parties you are coming from, we all have to work accordingly. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. People in Taiwan are voting in presidential and parliamentary elections. Voters will have to decide whether they support the incumbent, President Tsai Ing-wen, or her challenger, Han Kuo-yu. Mr Han, the mayor of Taiwan's third largest city, favours closer ties with Beijing. BBC's Cindy Soi reports from Taipei. President Tsai insists Taiwan's democracy is under threat, and she has used the violent, months-long protests in Hong Kong to warn that the island could also fall under Beijing's control, unless voters vote for her and her party. Mayor Han rejects that doom and gloom picture, insisting Taiwan's democracy is as strong as ever, and the island is in no way like Hong Kong. It has functioned as a de facto independent country for decades in all but name, with its own military and government. He accuses Ms. Tsai of fear-mongering to win votes. The death has been announced of Sultan Qaboos bin Said al Said of Oman, the longest serving ruler in the Gulf. The Sultan, who was 79, had ruled since 1970. More from the BBC's Alan Johnson. Sultan Qaboos deposed his father in a bloodless coup and acceded to the throne at the age of 29. He would go on to reign longer than any of his fellow Arab monarchs, and he ruled in keeping with the traditions of the Gulf. He completely dominated the political life of his desert kingdom. Early on, he united the country after suppressing an armed insurgency in its southwest. Then he set Oman on a path to development. Using its oil wealth, he drew it into the modern world and brought his people prosperity. The Galapagos Islands National Park Service says it's releasing back into the wild a 100-year-old giant tortoise who is, crea- who is credited with almost single-handedly saving his species from extinction. George Caron, the park's director, says that the tortoise, Diego, has sired around 800 offspring after he was recruited onto a captive breeding programme designed to repopulate his island, Española. Sport now and in 2017 champion Wade Ormsby is keeping up the pace at the front of the pack at this year's Hong Kong Open. With the latest on the third round, here's Mike Weeks from Fanling. Thanks, Bill. And Ormsby, who's led this tournament from the start, opened the third round in sedate fashion, going par-par for the first two holes. But a monster drive on the third set up an eagle opportunity, which the Australian converted to move to 11 under par. However, Asian tour leader Jazz Janawatanan and fellow Thai Gun Charankul are both three under through six and are lurking just two shots behind Ormsby. India's Shiv Kapoor is alone in fourth place after picking up birdies on the third 
fourth and sixth holes. President's Cup winner Tony Finau has hit top form after a relatively quiet second round. The American rolled in four birdies on the front nine to turn in 30, but at six under, he's still five shots behind Ormsby in the lead. The two young Hong Kong amateurs, Leon D'Souza and Alexander Yang, have both picked up shots today to move to three under par for the tournament. This is Mike Weeks at the Hong Kong Open for RTHK. Football, and with a preview of this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. So after a break for the FA Cup, the Premier League resumes and the highlight is a repeat of last season's Champions League final. Leaders Liverpool visit Tottenham's new stadium for the first time, looking to extend their 13-point advantage at the top of the table. Tottenham haven't won for three games in all competitions. Liverpool, meanwhile, have won their last 11 Premier League matches. After a humbling 3-1 defeat to Manchester City in the EFL Cup this week, Manchester United fans will accept nothing less than an impressive win against bottom-of-the-table Norwich at Old Trafford. United are in fifth and need a victory to have any chance of closing the five-point gap to fourth-place Chelsea, who hosts a struggling Burnley side at Stamford Bridge. Second-place Leicester hosts Southampton, who they beat 9-0 earlier this season. And third-placed Manchester City are away to 17th-placed Aston Villa. In the relegation battle, Watford will be looking to continue their fine form under new manager Nigel Pearson. A victory over Bournemouth would make it three league wins in a row. It would also mean they would move above their opponents and potentially out of the bottom three. Those are some of the big games in the Premier League to look forward to this weekend. This is John Bennett at BBC Global Sport. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Iran admits shooting down a Ukrainian airliner. China announces the first death linked to the Wuhan mystery virus. And the Liberal Party says it understands pan-democrat concerns in Lechko. That's the news from RTHK. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week we have two musical themes on offer. First, a new selection of hot new tracks from a lot of places on the planet. And our featured new debut EP from Parisian rapper Simia. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with our first hot new track from a lot of places on the planet, uh, specifically Nigeria with Burna Boy. There's a bit of a story here. The track is called Gbona, and that's in the Yoruba language for hot. The track is, in fact, in three different languages, Nigerian Pidgin, Yoruba, and Igbo. It's a fusion of Afrobeats and reggae, and the music video features Kalukata-influenced female dancers. Burna Boy, stage name for Damini Ebunoluwa Ogulu. He comes from the south of Nigeria, and he's a singer-songwriter, and started recording in 2012, starting off with his first hit, Like to Party. And he followed that up. He's up to his fourth studio album, released in July last year, and he's come up with a few hits from there, of which Bona. 
It's part of his uh, tour, the Borna Boy Returns Tour, the second leg of his African Giant Tour. He himself describes his music as Afrofusion, blending Afrobeat, dancehall, rhythms, reggae, U.S. rap, and rhythm and blues. It's been described as savvy and modern, but undistracted by obvious crossover moves. So let's have a listen to Damini Ebunolua Ogulu, a.k.a. Burna Boy, and Gbona. Kila, kila, Oh, you 